0: Hello and welcome to Rural Business Uncovered, brought to you by the CLA, where each week we discuss matters affecting the rural sector. The Country Land and Business Association are the only organisation dedicated to protecting and defending the rights of landowners and rural businesses.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: With around 150,000 miles of public footpaths, Great Britain has always been a haven for those seeking to explore all corners of our beautiful countryside from the rugged cliffs of Cornwall and the stunning Yorkshire moors, to the spectacular coastline of West Wales and the peaceful Norfolk Broads. 2020 saw renewed interest in the great outdoors by members of the public. Such interest fueled by repeated lockdowns, social distancing and good weather. But this influx of visitors to the countryside has been a double-edged sword for many rural communities. Today we hear from CLA member Phil Robottom on how he manages the rights of way across his farm and also his experience of the pandemic and its impact on public access. And Sophie Dweryhouse, National Access Advisor for the CLA, uh, also joins us to give an insight into the management responsibilities of landowners and farmers where rights of way are concerned and also the CLA's campaign for the countryside code to be taught in schools. Well, welcome Sophie and Phil. Brilliant to have you both on the podcast. And I thought we'd start just by... um, having an opportunity to get to know both of you a little bit better. And Sophie, if I can turn to you first, tell us a bit about your background and your work with the CLA.
2: Thank you, Alad. Yes, so I'm in the legal team at the CLA and I'm the National Access Advisor, so I'm responsible for advice to members and policy work uh, relating to public access, both in England and Wales. And from your introduction, you can imagine it's been a very busy
0: the past 12 months i'm sure it has with a lot of uh, inquiries and queries and questions from members uh, no doubt and one of those members is phil Robottom. phil um tell us about your farm and, and your background
3: uh morning Alan. yes a uh, small farm outside wakefield a bit over 300 acres i'm third generation uh, we have a public bridleway which splits the farm in two most of the time it's very well used but this year, we've had some access problems, definitely.
0: And tell us a bit more about, about the farm. You're saying you're a third generation of the family to, to farm at Mount Farm. Yep. Um, tell us a bit more about the the arable operations you've got there.
3: We grow wheat. We grow all seed rape. Um, we keep it fairly simple. Um, I, had to, I moved the style of rotation and farming 15 years ago due to a, a diversification project that we did, and I just tried to keep it as simple as I could on the farm. Um, with no livestock, which, which certainly helps with footpaths.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure we'll pick up on some of those points in, in, in a bit because we have heard of, of incidences of dog attacks on livestock um, the, over the the lockdown periods and coming up to the lambing period. That's, a, of course, a concern to many livestock farmers. Um, Sophie, if I can come back to you, as I mentioned right at the very beginning, Great Britain is home to around 150,000 miles of public footpaths. Many of these cross properties owned by landowners and farmers, uh, such as Phil, throughout England and Wales. Uh, can you tell us what are their management responsibilities and what do they need to know when?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So, of course, members of the public have a legal right to use public rights of way and open access land. But landowners are responsible for keeping those public rights of way clear of any overhanging vegetation and obstructions. They're also responsible for the furniture on the rights of way. So the styles and gates and so on. The highway authority are responsible for the surface and their duties also include erecting and maintaining signposts wherever a right-of-way leaves a metalled road or and waymarking those rights of way. I should add that if any landowners offer permissive routes, um so not a, a public right-of-way, but those permissive routes that they can offer Unless there's a formal agreement with the local highway authority, then the landowner is responsible. Sort of full stop, really. So for signage, surfaces, and and the furniture. As far as when it applies, sort of throughout, it doesn't change through the year or anything like that.
0: And do, do farmers and landowners have any financial support to assist in the in the maintenance work that they have to do?
2: Uh, so there's quite a lot of talk about this, and possibly in the future through the new environmental land scheme management scheme but at the moment there's a small amount of help as far as with the furniture and so if new furniture is required they can get up to 25 percent of assistance from the local authority Uh, but that's uh, that's about where the, the line is drawn.
0: And do you think that the responsibilities are, are, are well understood uh, amongst farmers and landowners or can there still sometimes occasionally be grey areas and um, some people are not, not fully aware of, of what the responsibilities are from time to time?
2: Yes, whilst they've been consistent, there haven't been big changes in this area, I think some local authorities differ with their uh, sort of clarity of advice and some websites are much easier to um, access that information or um, landowners will have a, a, some of them will have a very good relationship with their rights of way officer if they've got perhaps several rights of way crossing their farm and they've uh, they've sort of uh, collaborated over the years. But definitely, I mean, I've certainly been giving quite a bit of advice about maintenance responsibilities and and who's responsible for what. So we're just trying to spread the word ourselves um, and obviously through sort of platforms like this.
0: And how do the management responsibilities change when livestock is involved?
2: (laughs) So there's no doubt the presence of um, the public in fields where rights of way across, it gives sort of increased risks and problems. And we're often consulted on issues relating to dogs and and livestock worrying and trespass. But farmers and landowners who have livestock grazing where there are public rights of way crossing the fields could be liable for both civil and criminal proceedings if a member of the public is injured or worse. So we've been doing quite a lot of work on this. And the onus is on the farmers to reduce risks. So they should refer to the health and safety executive sheet 17, which is an advice sheet about cattle and and public access. Um, But I suppose that... The simple answer is if you do not need to uh, keep livestock in fields with public rights-of-way, then, then don't. Um, no dairy bulls are allowed in a field with a public right at any time, at public right-of-way at any time. And you, you could look to fence public rights-of-way to keep livestock and members of the public separate, um, Which can make farming operations very difficult, Um, and obviously there's an additional cost involved there. But it is an option. And things more of a simple one is perhaps moving feed and water troughs away from where the public right of way runs through the field. Um, So there there are different options, and obviously signage is is a is a popular um, sort of tool to use at entrances of fields where uh, that stating what's in there. So perhaps it's Cows with calves or, or bulls in fields, and they should be taken down when those uh, the, the livestock's not in there, when it's not going to be necessarily an issue. Um, and sort of after all that, there is the option to consider the use of a temporary bypass on an alter- as an alternative route. Um, but that's sort of something that uh, HSE consider the lowest form on their um, hierarchy of control measures. So it's, it it's definitely, I would refer uh, members to that sheet and have a look through it, because I, I don't think there's necessarily enough awareness of it, and it's sort of the benchmark, if you like, for, for, the, for the safety standards.
0: Yeah, that's that's really useful to know because I guess there's a number of different things that, that landowners c- can do to try and mitigate the impact and, and protect themselves and the public, of course. But we've seen during the pandemic a huge rise in walking in the countryside, and it's good for physical and mental well-being. Uh, and I'm sure that's something you want to encourage, but encourage in a responsible way. How would you explain and describe the way the pandemic has impacted on the use of, of rights away in, in many parts of, of the countryside.
2: Uh, yeah absolutely Al. We can all sympathize. there is very little else for people to get out and do at the moment and health and physical well-being is imperative and uh, um, not only for visitors coming to the countryside but also those working and living in, in rural areas. However, the intensified use during this wet winter has resulted in routes quickly becoming far wider than the legal line of the route. So we've seen pretty miserable images, I'm sure um, we've all seen them on the news and and in the papers, for poor farmers suffering, particularly uh, near uh, urban areas, uh, where these routes have just become, you know, sometimes 40 foot wide. Um, So there have been different... Approaches to, to try and manage that, but um, you, you know, more signage and 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 different options. Some some people have fenced the routes or offered alternatives, uh, but it's it's definitely been a an issue that uh, like never before.
0: Yeah, and Phil, if I can bring you in here, you, you mentioned at the beginning that you have a right of way cr- crossing your farm. Have you noticed an increase in the in the use of that right of way?
3: Oh yeah, it's it's been a massive increase in, in foot traffic um, over the last 12 months. Um, and, I yeah, I'm pleased I don't live in a, in a tower block. Um, we're very fortunate living out in the countryside. And most of the people, by a long way, appreciate a walk through the, through the fields, if that's the case. We've always tried to encourage people to eat dogs on a lead. I know I don't have any livestock, which is an issue, but it's nice when the dogs are not rampaging through my wheat crop.
0: Yeah. Have you had instances where you've had significant damage to to any of your crops on on the back of of irresponsible walkers and dog owners?
3: Yeah, we get some damage through dogs running around in the crops um, or people or kids or or whatever it is. And, And we try to encourage people not to do it. But when you go... Uh, and try to educate the people that it is only supposed to be a two-metre-wide path, or or currently it's about three metres. Sophie mentioned about the conditions. We've been pretty lucky, and they've only widened it to about three metres. But you get occasional people, and it's the minority, I'm sorry, um, that you just get so much verbal abuse back um, sometimes that it does make life quite stressful, and I don't use that word very often, It it is hard working with the public some days. Yeah, because I
0: appreciate that. You're you're trying to run a business (laughs) alongside and trying to work with the public. Have have you had um, put signage up on the farm? What type of tools have you used to try and educate the
3: public? We've we've put a couple of new signs up, and I've just had, um, so I haven't got them put up yet, the countryside code printed onto a hard board so that I can put one at each end of the path. Um, But... Very few people stop and read the sign, which I can see from my kitchen window. Um, one or two. Most people ignore it, uh, even to the point where the dogs are still running wild. As Soon as they come off the road, they, they let the dog off the lead. Do, do
0: you occasionally talk, talk to some of the walkers and, and engage I, in, I, them if, in conversation?
3: If yeah, if I'm up the yard, if I'm out in the field, you know, on on the path, somehow through the winter, we, we're not doing a lot of physical terrible work at the moment and i do try and stop and talk to a few people no you're not supposed to do at the moment we're supposed to stay two or three meters apart um but most of the people appreciate being out in the countryside and some people are apologetic for other walkers for not being on the path and and they find it offensive as well that, that i'm having to police the path.
0: Of course. and Have you noticed an increase in, in dog walkers? Because we hear reports that more and more people have, have bought uh, dogs during lockdown um, and during the pandemic in general. Has uh, that sort of added well, to, the, to the use of the public right away?
3: Yes, there's, there's, there's people that we've never seen before. But funnily enough, the last couple of months has been some young puppies walking as well. So people have been buying dogs recently
0: yeah and i understand as well you're trying to reintroduce different wildlife species to mount farm uh, for example barn owls so it can't be easy trying to balance this with the visitors in the area
3: now this is we've always tried to have wildlife we're not destroyers of the countryside Um, we just happen to have dropped lucky we've got a little bit more land that we don't farm for for various reasons and we've sort of let it go rewild and We've got a family of barn owls taking up residence in one of our old sheds. So we're actively encouraging wildlife. You know, looking out the window now, the skylarks dodging around. There's there's pheasants, there's partridges. Don't tell everybody. I know it's on the radio, but we've got deer in the area, wild roe deer. Stuff like this I never saw 30 years ago when I started farming. It wasn't here. Um, so the countryside needs to be quiet and needs to be... People free, unfortunately, that's that's not fair either. But the only way to encourage wildlife is to is to keep the people out of the countryside, and create small nature reserves, if you like.
0: And and you mentioned there that um, there's more wildlife on the farm now than what was uh, there previously about thirty years ago. Is that as a consequence of environmental schemes, or is it your own work? What, what's no, what's encouraged uh, that?
3: I'm, I'm not in any environmental scheme at the present. It's just the way I like to see the countryside run so we've let hedges grow a bit bigger um we've stopped we haven't we haven't planted any hedges and we haven't pulled any hedges out uh through my farming career and i've been here 40 years now so uh, there's just it's just a nice place to be as a countryside so there's a few trees a bits of corners of woodland and the wildlife has taken up residence here again
0: I can see now why, why so many visitors want to walk on your path to <laughs> enjoy the yeah, wildlife.
3: And, I, and I, if, if they will just walk quietly, that's, that's not going to happen, but they have to walk quietly into the countryside. It's a quiet, peaceful place at times, and the wildlife needs peace and quiet to exist.
0: Sophie, how do we get that message across in in a way that's not sort of patronising, and sometimes it can be awkward using the phrase educating the public. It's it's about encouraging, it's about influencing their behaviour. How how do we get that message across?
2: Absolutely, and them being prepared and, and, you know, appropriately attired and all the rest of it to go out and and walk Phil's path and, and more... Uh, other routes across the countryside. Um, I think, well, the education and about the countryside, responsible behaviour, it's really important to the CLA, our members, me personally. Um, You know, we really want people to enjoy the countryside. And that first lockdown saw many new visitors, uh, the majority of whom were responsible, as Phil said, and respectful of rural life um, and, and interested. You know, they'll, they'll speak to farmers and, and they do want to sort of find out what they're doing and, and why. But um, the, the the cracks did start to show when the, the numbers were just um, very high and, and, and the countryside was under pressure, if you like, um, and the sort of issues you were seeing, uh, not... Not so much because the weather was so good then; we didn't have the issue with these widening muddy paths, but you know, cars abandoned and, and parked so poorly that emergency vehicles couldn't get through. There were fires from barbecues left burning, uh, gates left open, and, and, and lots of trespass. Um, so, at, at that time, we wrote to the Education Secretary, uh, Gavin Williamson, and, and asked that the Countryside Code could be taught in schools, and it, because it was a, it was appearing that almost the whole generation seem to have missed out on, on learning about it. So we continue to do an awful lot to promote the countryside code and, and we're working with Natural England at the moment on the refresh of the code. Um, so we hope some, some tweaks will be th- uh, made to that to sort of help and improve understanding of how we behave and importantly, why um, in the countryside. So it should be you know, something for everybody.
0: And what response did you get from government? Do, do you think they are amenable to the idea of, of trying to include the countryside codes uh, to be taught in, in schools?
2: I think that's going to be a, a, a continuous battle, particularly given um, the issues at the moment and and how under pressure uh, teachers and, and the education oh. system is. Um, but mm. we'll,
0: we'll persevere with that for sure. Uh, Phil, what's your view on that? Do, do you think that would be a good, a good way of trying to educate the next generation of walkers and young people to enjoy the countryside but do it responsibly?
3: Yeah, I do. I've just written it down. Um, we, I work with a group of farmers up and down the country doing farmer time. It used to be called FaceTime a farmer. A farmer down in Cambridge started it up. And I currently... Um, I was working with a school um, in Oundle for a couple of years and I've now got a school in Manchester where we do FaceTime or Zoom meetings and we talk to the children about the countryside and farming, what I do. Um, I'm sure they'd prefer to see some little fluffy lambs rather than my big tractor, but (laughs) but at the moment we're persevering with growing wheat and tractors. And we so countryside code. I, I hadn't thought of educate trying to bring that into the conversation, but I, I do think that's a good idea. Yeah, and we are educating kids again.
0: I'm sure that's a, a wonderful experience. I'm sure you enjoy the, the, the FaceTime sessions that you, you have with the schools. What, what are the questions you tend to get from children? Because sometimes they can ask some brilliant well, questions. They can, um,
3: they, can, they can pull you up short, certainly. With some questions. <laughs> um, question, where do you buy your tractor? Where do you buy the seeds that you grow? And, and, and you've got to just say, well, it, it's like being in a supermarket. We ring a person up at a big shop and we talk about tractors or we talk about what seeds we would like to grow. And it, and then we we show them the wheat growing. We show them wheat in store. We turn this into flour and then bread for your toast, um, or whether it's a pile of oats for your porridge. So we can talk about how food is produced on farm and show these kids the countryside. They've some of these people have no idea. They've never been out of the city, and it, and it is and then they go for a walk. When they grow up, maybe they take their new puppy out for a walk, and they've got to learn how the countryside works.
0: Uh, and I'm sure you enjoy that experience as well. So, how many schools are you working with now, Phil? Well, Is it two? Only
3: one, We only do. We're only partnered with one school. I, I, I see. They moved. They moved me up to Manchester. <laughs> um, <laughs> so no, it's great talking to the children. It's fabulous way of edu- educating the kids, and and it has dropped off the curriculum as the countryside, and it needs. Something put him back there, uh,
0: Sophie, what what do you think about that initiative it's It's, it's a good way of of communicating it in in a in a very informal relaxed way
2: I think it's fabulous um, what an opportunity and um sort of a light touch i, I think I, I might see if I can join Phil for one of his sessions. It sounds <laughs> great. <laughs>
0: The Country Land and Business Association have been safeguarding the interests of landowners and rural businesses since 1907. We lobby government continually on behalf of our members to give them the security and certainty to invest in their land and business. Our in-house professional advisory team offers members independent and impartial advice on every aspect of land ownership and rural business management to ensure the positive development of the rural economy. Sophie, we touched upon it earlier around some of of the challenges and and obviously they differ depending on the type of farm that that you have and the type of operations you have on the land and livestock farmers, particularly at this time of year, will be very, very... Concerned around the increase of dog walking, in particular, around lambing and the impact they're having on, you know, potentially uh, livestock worrying and 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 the impact on pregnant ewes or or, or, or young lambs. What's your advice to to, to them now as we head into to a really busy and important season for livestock farmers?
2: Yeah, it's um, definitely. I can understand why members and and, and farmers would be concerned at the moment. So uh, we're just really trying to keep spreading the message about the countryside code that people do if they're walking with a dog, they keep it on a lead um, if, if, if possible. Um, they don't have to, um, but we really um, encourage them to keep them on a lead and also clean up after your dog and put that in a bin because um, there's definitely been a lot of issues on that and it's been quite a topic of discussion in the countryside code consultation that's been going on. Um, so yeah please just encourage uh, everybody to keep their dog on a lead and to clear up after it and for farmers you know it'd be worth putting signage up I'm really pleased to hear that Phil's using the countryside code poster and uh, I'd encourage other other farmers to do the same
0: uh, and what's your view around enforcement? Does that need to improve? Uh, you know, do, do farmers, if they ha- do suffer an incident of, of of dog worry, livestock worrying on their farms, should they report that to the police? What what should they do?
2: Yes, um, I mean certainly, there have been some big attacks on on sheep already this this time, um, particularly we've seen in North Wales, and just devastating. So. Uh, Certainly do speak to your rural crime team and um, and yeah, look out for each other as well. I think uh, the rural community are, are, are close-knit and, and also the responsible uh, walkers and, and, and riders that are in the countryside, most of them um, would be horrified to hear and see some of the things that have been going on. Um, so let's all try and work together and, and, and try and um, limit those those situations.
0: And, and Phil, uh, you know, we, we talked earlier about how the pandemic has uh, encouraged more people to enjoy the countryside and, 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 and take walks in our, on our paths. Do you think this is a start of a long-term trend? Do do you think those people during lockdown and during the pandemic who've discovered the countryside uh, and discovered a new love for for, for our our beautiful countryside will continue to walk and and even greater numbers going forward? This is, you know, we we are going to be seeing a lot more walking, which will require a lot more maintenance of paths and a lot more signage and a lot more effort from everybody involved.
3: I think it will. Um, I'm sure numbers will stay at a higher level than we were 18 months ago um at the moment there's no gyms open so people are you or, or, people are cycling there's more bikes about as well on the roads um but there's no gyms is there? there's no there's no sporting facility for those of us that wanted to go there um so yeah there's going to be more walking because they've seen things, in the countryside that think it's a nice view or a nice day for a walk. I won't go to the gym. I'll go for a walk. Um, so yeah, numbers will stay a bit higher. Uh,
0: what, what do you think, Sophie? Do, do you agree with Phil there?
2: I completely agree. This, uh, I can't see a, a big reverse on this and it's wonderful. You know, let's all enjoy the countryside, but it really is a chance to, um, sort of try and help people understand, um, the rural way of life, really. And there are lots of rural businesses that rely on those visitors. So it it really is um, something that should be celebrated, um, but just uh, needs sort of uh, accessing appropriately and and responsibly and, and, and respectfully.
0: Do you think there'll be a demand to reopen or or, or um, create new paths now because of the demands? And I'm sure there's been people who discovered paths they, they didn't know that existed uh, previously. Uh, and I'm sure there's, there's, there's some landowners noticed more walking on paths they haven't seen hardly anybody walk for years, possibly. So do, do you think we will see a resurgence in trying to reopen paths and, and introduce new ones over the next few years?
3: Yeah, this will paint me in a bad picture, won't it? Yes, I fear so. Um, a long time ago, my father opened some permissive paths around the farm. Um, but due to an ongoing issue with, sadly, one person on a horse, we had to withdraw the permissive use because they were footpaths, not bridleways. And we had a long legal battle with the local government. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be a lot of pressure on landowners, farmers, to have more access into the countryside. But I don't think that will do the countryside any favors. If I'm brutally honest, it it can't. You cannot you cannot have wildlife and and people. They don't mix.
0: It's it's a delicate balance. It so, is, Sophie, what's, what's your view on on opening up new paths or, or, or discovering old ones that possibly have been forgotten, and we bringing back to life?
2: Yeah. So, um, and some landowners have been very generous during the, the these difficult times. And they have offered additional routes through permissive paths, um, particularly near urban areas, very aware that there are people that haven't got gardens and, and have uh, had a very miserable time. So and they, they're to be commended. Um, we've also seen the, um, the situation where ancient rights of way, um, lots of applications for them to be reinstated um, I think you may be sort of inferring to the Ramblers' latest campaign, the uh, to "Don't Lose Your Way," where they're looking at um, discovering lost paths and, and, in course, having them, uh, in due course, having them applied, applying to have them added to the definitive map. Um, so there's much talk about that because the cutoff to do that by is January 2026. So there is quite a lot of talk about this. Um, and I think I would just look to reassure uh, landowners that are concerned if, they, if a proposed route has, has come a, um, up on their land, that that's by no means um, means there's a, there's a certainty that that route will become a permanent right of way um, and to, to get in touch if they've got any queries and, and questions or concerns about that.
0: Yes, it's taking good advice and getting getting in touch with the CLA at an early point. It's probably a, a good thing to do if, if you're concerned or, or wanting more information uh, around that. Uh, Phil, with the increased people um, visiting the countryside using PAST, does that bring about opportunities for landowners and farmers to diversify? Does, does that bring an options of, of new things for you to do? Yeah, do you I, I
3: need a coffee table, don't I, at the end of the past. <laughs> um, uh, there will be some that benefit, absolutely. We, we, we all find little niches in our lives, don't we, to do things. We've diversified into the public. Years ago, we built a golf course, so we encourage the people out here. Um, but what I try to do is be careful with the people that get – they get access to the farm rather than, than being on the golf course. And, it, and it's really hard to work with the public and against the public at the other side of the road. And and we have to tread a very fine line. Some things we have to remember maybe is that these, these some of these old footpaths were trading routes. They weren't there for recreation. They were there for villages to get from one village to another, to trade with one another or to go to church sometimes. Um, and, and Access to the countryside is a new thing. It's, what is it, 50, 60 years? When did people start walking for recreation? It's, it's a new thing in terms of lifespan.
0: And, and Sophie, you know, some landowners might want to consider diverting paths or changing the route of some, some public rights away if, if it's interfering with the business or interfering with wildlife or, or any other factors. Is that a difficult process? Is that something that can be done?
2: Uh, yes, Alad, it it is possible, um, and it is quite it can be quite challenging to get done. So at the moment, you can make an application to the highway well authority to divert a route, and there are certain tests that you would need to meet. But there is just a power for the local authority to do that. It's not a duty, um, and if you have objections from from people that are not happy then um, it really can become very difficult. Uh, there, there will be, hopefully in the future, um, when, once the public rights of way reform work um, is completed and the uh, sort of deregulation act uh, comes into force, uh, we will hopefully find this, um, or landowners will find diverting routes for the for reasons of privacy, security and safety. Um, more feasible and, and slightly I would, wouldn't like to say easier some tests will still need to be met but um, they will have a right to apply and um, so this is good news for, for landowners.
0: And and with regards to the the future policy landscape, and and there's quite a bit of change uh, happening within agricultural policies and support schemes uh, across England and Wales, will public access become a public good uh, as defined by by ELM uh, in in England and and the Sustainable Farming Scheme in Wales? Do, Do you think public access will be a requirement within future subsidy schemes for farmers?
2: So. Um, absolutely, public access is looking like a public good, and there's, there hopefully will be lots of opportunities for landowners. And what we're really looking for and supportive of is voluntary, incentivized, and permissive access so that landowners um, that have got something there that they can offer, so it might be linking existing rights of way that aren't connected you know offering a permissive path to connect them and make uh, circular routes or um, uh, because as phil was saying a lot of these routes weren't for recreation they were forgetting from a to b um, and now people enjoy taking their new dog for a, a walk and they want a, a, a you know not too long a route to do and a circular route so they park their car somewhere or they walk from home and they just want to do that loop so it'd be things like that we wouldn't want landowners to have to um sort of be forced to have access just to be part of um the scheme and, and eligible so that's that's that would be important to us that that, that it is a voluntary option for landowners not all situations uh, you know access and being sort of splattered everywhere on a blanket approach just wouldn't be appropriate space for nature these are things are important and some areas of the country are well supplied with access, if you like. Others are not. So it'd be looking at the most appropriate use of, of, of uh, these schemes and, and what would help both well, give the public most benefit, which when it's a public good, that's obviously going to be important to, to the government.
0: And Phil, what do you think? I'm sure you're considering about being part of the the Future Elm scheme and and how it all develops. Um, What's your views on on public access being a requirement, be it mandatory or voluntary, within future schemes?
3: Um, Mandatory, I'm not keen on, thank you. Uh, I I don't want any more footpaths, Not not on my small farm. There may be room on other farms or in other parts of the countryside, but I can't join that scheme. Um, voluntary we've tried that route before um, and voluntary is okay but then someone thinks they should keep it Uh, and we had a like i say we had a long legal battle to close permissive paths Um, and it's not acceptable to keep pushing that cost onto the farmer
0: yeah, and um, I appreciate that, that experience was, was a challenging one through trying to offer an opportunity and then potentially uh, putting, putting yourself in an awkward position in the future. So, so it's being, um, be, being careful about the things you do and, and, and the permissions that you allow people, albeit on a, on a temporary basis, that could become a, a long-term permanent right.
3: Mm. They have, the people, if coming out into the countryside out onto the past is fine, people have to respect the fact that this is our home. We're not, we live here, we work here, um, it, and it, it's our business to, and it, it's difficult. I mean, health and safety won't help as much, but it is a health and safety worry. My bridleway is straight through my farmyard, and I've had lorries in there this morning. I've just had tractors and trailers through. Because of the style of farming we do, my staff have to go through health and safety training, but the people that use the footpath don't. So who's going to be at fault in the long term?
0: Sophie, Phil makes some really, really important points there. And, and as we tr- draw this podcast t- to a close, uh, a question to both of you is, here is, you know, what would be your key wants of government and the public? How would you summarise s- some of the key points I think that need to change, say, in the next five to 10 years to make sure that people still can enjoy the countryside, but do it in a way which respects businesses, respects communities and respects the people who live and work there? Uh, what, what needs to change in your view, Sophie? And, and then I'll turn to you, Phil.
2: I think widespread knowledge of the countryside code and its contents Uh, that would be something that can be relatively dare I say easy but it's it's there we just need to get it out there (laughs) Um, and and, and make sure more people know about it and in the longer term uh, something that's been worked on for a long time that is getting these uh, public rights away reform um, the rights away reform implemented so that the process of diversions and um, management of the rights of way system would it is easier, and that we get that twenty twenty six cut off sort of set in stone for, for claims for ancient rights of way that will offer landowners some, a degree of certainty. So at the minute, it, you know, they just don't have that. So those would be my my wants, I suppose. <laughs>
3: And, and what about you, Phil? Uh, countryside code is a good one, yeah. And that, like I said earlier, with my hadn't thought about it with my farmer time kids, that will be on the agenda definitely. Um, I want to be. I find it very difficult when the government foisters the public onto the farmers or the country land or the landowners. It's very hard to stomach that. That when they're walking around and potentially damaging our nice countryside uh, and it's really hard at the moment in this pandemic problem that we've got but i if they're going to keep reopening new old footpaths bridleways that they find we should have the reverse we should have the ability to close down a path that is in the wrong place for the wrong time and, and it's got to work both ways.
0: Well, uh, Phil and Sophie, you both highlighted some really, really important points there uh, around the, the safe and, and responsible use of public rights away. And I'm sure this is a topic that's going to be revisited several times over the next few years as as growing numbers of public uh, are, are attempted and, of course, attracted to, to our beautiful countryside. Thank you ever so much for joining us on this podcast. It's been brilliant having you. Thank you, Sophie. And thank you, Phil.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: If you're not a member of the CLA, you can join today. More information can be found on our website, www.cla.org.uk Thank you for listening and I hope you can join us again soon. You've been listening to the Rural Business Uncovered podcast, the CLA's weekly podcast released every Friday. You can find all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts or just search Rural Business Uncovered on your chosen podcast provider. Remember to hit subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss an episode.